What is a focus group? How the heck can you use a focus group to pre-sell your digital product? We've got an amazing expert on the show today to answer all of these questions and more. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, Rebels. I am so excited for this episode because we've never covered anything quite like this before. You guys know how much I love the idea of pre-selling your products, selling them before you even officially launch them. So anything to do with pre-selling gets me all excited and stoked to share it with you. That's why this episode's going to be amazing. Today we are chatting all about focus groups. What is a focus group? How do you hold a focus group? The mindset mentality you should have and perspective you need before going into a focus group. What happens after the focus group? How to use a focus group to get pre-sales? What is market research and why it's so important? Honestly, I wasn't kidding when I said this episode was good, you guys, because we have an incredible expert who's coming on today to answer all of those questions and so much more. Her name is Michelle Vroom. She's a marketing strategist with more than 10 years of experience with nonprofits, agencies, and big corporations. Michelle helps small business owners market themselves. She understands firsthand the challenges of limited resources and time and shares her proven methods for visibility and relationship building to get clients and grow your business. And specifically today, Michelle's going to go deep on the topic of focus groups so that you can learn how you can use those groups to get pre-sale orders flowing in. Don't forget to subscribe to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast and to leave us a review on iTunes, especially if you want to win an Amazon gift card. Leave us a review and you just might find yourself the lucky winner of our next Amazon gift card raffle, which we are giving to one of our reviewers once we reach our next 50 reviews. So head on over there now and leave that review. I'd also love it if you take a quick second, pause this podcast, take a screenshot of you listening and share it on the gram. Tag me at Eden Freed. All right, let's do the dang thing, shall we? Hey, Michelle, glad to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So let's start from the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and the work that you do. Sure. So three and a half years ago, I started my business Vroom Communications. I'm a marketing coach who helps female solopreneurs um, land clients consistently, um, whether that be through digital products, like what we're talking about today, um, or through other like higher end services. Um, A lot of my clients offer a variety of different things. And so really it's about helping them get the word out about what they're offering so that they can get sales so that they can get clients and they can do it consistently because consistency is key. Um, When I started my business, you know, I came from the corporate world. And so for me, you know, there were many times where I felt very trapped in the corporate world, like trapped just in terms of feeling like I was working for someone else um, and, and, you know, furthering someone else's dream. And so I started to realize like, 
I really want to grow my own business. I want my own dream. Um, and I, you know, at that point it was really a question of like, am I willing to go out and get it? <laughs> am I willing to take that leap of faith? Um, at the time I had a six month old at home. So as you can imagine, like things were a little crazy. Um, but some opportunities arose while I was on maternity leave with my oldest. And so, um, from there, it was just a matter of like, again, do I take that leap of faith? Do I pursue my dream and what I want to do? And ultimately, of course, I decided to do that and haven't looked back since. So what was that process? I'm just curious. Did you, yeah. you quit your job or how did that happen? So while I was on maternity leave, um, a bunch of new opportunities came my way through like family, friends, and people who were saying that they needed marketing help. So people that I knew, I wasn't necessarily putting myself out there um, in order to obtain those opportunities. And enough of them came my way where I was like, huh, this could actually be something that happened sooner than I expected that it would. And so um, I pretty much like, and I'm laughing thinking about it now, um, but I pretty much hustled on my maternity leave. Like you think maternity leave with your oldest child, you're like adjusting to being a parent, you know? And I was doing all of that, but then I just, I don't know, having a kid like solidified my dream and just made me realize I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. And so um, I got a couple of clients, but I still went back to my job for a couple of months just to kind of... Um, land a few more clients to a point where I don't think you ever feel comfortable by the way, like making a change like that. Right. It was more just landing a couple of clients so that I knew what income I would have coming in. My husband and I sat down, we calculated it out. I took a huge, huge pay cut, obviously coming from a corporate job to starting my own business. Um, but ultimately a couple of months later, it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I really have to go all in on this because I was split, I was divided, right? Between my corporate job, between my business, and of course, being a mom for the first time, it was just too much. And so I, I really did come to a crossroads, so to speak, and I had to choose, was I willing to put my dream on hold, right? To continue in the quote unquote safe, I'm doing quotes for, <laughs> for the listeners who can't see, because I don't think anything is fully safe um, in the corporate world necessarily, but you know, do I want to stay with that safe corporate job or do I want to put myself out there and actually pursue this dream right now? And I'm a big believer in, you know, not wanting to look back with regret, like wanting to truly take each moment um, because tomorrow could be your last day here on this earth, right? So for me, it really came down to like making that change and that transition out of faith and not fear. I love that. How long were you, how long after your maternity leave did you transition full-time into your business? Three months. Okay. So you <laughs> uh -huh. were busy. Uh-huh. I was busy. And, you know, I really do feel like it was all meant to be, of course. Like those mm -hmm. opportunities happened when they happened. And honestly, looking back, I think I was sort of uh, setting the stage for that before I even realized that I was mm -hmm. just through some of the connections that I was making, some of the people that I was connected to. So, you know, I always envisioned like when I'm in my, you know, forties or fifties, like I'll start my business then. I don't know why that was my, my vision. Um, but I think I was starting to set the stage for it before I realized that it was actually something that could happen right now. And I'm so glad that it did, you know, I mean, it's not to say that this journey is easy. You and I both know it's not, but, um, there's just, there's something to be said for growing your own business on your own terms 
like the sense of pride and fulfillment that it gives me is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Yeah, it definitely feels different when you have a victory in your own business versus like a victory when you're working for somebody else. Yeah, totally. Even though you're proud of both, but when it's your own thing, it's your baby. (laughs) It is your baby. I feel like I have two little boys at home. I feel like I have three kids. Well, and I'm pregnant with my third. So technically I have four kids. I have my three kids, um, the two, you know, born children, the, the one unborn child and my business. Like I truly feel like it really is my baby. And Um, I mean, that's why people get emotional about it too, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's why we bring all of this weird stuff to the table where we're, you know, stressed out and emotional about it because it truly is like a child. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you had this inspiration to act on your dream while you were on maternity leave. Um, We're kind of going down this rabbit hole, but this is an interesting topic. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can relate to it um, because, you know, kids make things really real for you in your life. They sure do. um, And they just kind of bring to light the things that are truly important. And, you know, I love that you just like went after it right away. That's amazing. I did. And it didn't mean that I wasn't terrified. Um, or that I'm still terrified at certain points in my business. Like it doesn't, once you go into business for yourself or you leave your nine to five or you leave whatever situation you're in, it doesn't mean you're never going to feel scared again, right? Like every time you level up, every time you make a change, you will feel scared. Mm -hmm. But that fear is actually a sign that you are moving toward the thing that you want most, that it's important to you. And so I think for a lot of people, myself included, they look at that fear as a bad thing. It's actually a signal to you that this is important. This is something that can ultimately change my life. And so of course I'm going to be a little afraid, Mm -hmm. but that means I need to run toward it and not away from it. I love that. That's an amazing takeaway for sure. Run into the pain, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So today we're talking about how to pre-sell a digital product through focus groups, which is a really exciting topic that we haven't covered at all on the show. And I'm excited that you are here to chat with us a little bit about it. So to start from square one, what is a focus group? So a focus group essentially is um, you bringing together a group of people who represent your audience. So think about who your audience is for this digital product, right? Who is the person that's going to get the most value from it, the best results from it, okay? It's important to know that ahead of time. If you are not entirely certain of that, you need to get certain of that before you do this. Um, But then assuming you're certain of that, you want to build a small group of people who represent that audience um, and bring them together so that they can do a couple of things. One, so that they can learn more about you and your product, but two, so that they can actually give you valuable insight um, into, you know, and valuable insight, I should say, and feedback into your product before you even launch it. So a lot of people um, that I talk with are like, well, I've created this product, but I still have some questions about it, or I'm not entirely certain of like, you know, how I want to position it, right? Like there's still some questions that people have before they launch something. This is one of the best ways to eliminate that, those questions and that uncertainty and actually get feedback directly from your audience before you're putting it out there into the world. I love that. It's super important that we don't just create products in a vacuum based on our own perspectives of what we think people need or want. And I think that a lot of people do that more often than not. They're just like- I could not agree more, Eden. I could not agree more. They just, you know, they're like, I want to sell a product. Here's my idea. I'm going to make it and cross my fingers and toes and Mm -hmm. hope that people buy it. That's just not going to (laughs) work. It's not. I mean, remember what we were just talking about, about our business feeling like our baby, right? Like we're so close to it 
which is in this case a negative because we can't see you know some of the facets of the product that maybe we're either not thinking about or we're not communicating to our audience it can't be about us it has to be about our audience and so this is an exercise um you know focus groups and just market research in general this is something that i take all of my clients through um those who have digital products and even those who don't because at the end of the day like would you rather launch something and be hoping and praying that it works and that people buy or would you rather launch something that you know you've taken the time to um, run by your audience that you know you've taken the time to craft in a way that meets your audience audience's needs that is true service right when we talk about serving our audience this is part of what i mean by that products are solutions to problems and so you obviously yep. need to make sure yeah. that there is a problem that exists absolutely how, how do we find the people for these focus groups um so think about who you're already connected to right so where are you already connecting with your audience i mean before you launch a digital product um and i don't want to take us down a, a, another topic half here but i think it's important to say before you launch a digital product it's so much easier you guys if you have an existing audience right like if you have taken the time to build an audience um if you are launching a digital product and you don't have anybody that you're connected to and you don't have an audience it's gonna be really really hard to get sales um and when i say having an audience it doesn't mean that you have to have like a, a facebook group people ask me that all the time they're like oh so i have to have a facebook group an audience can look like anything it could be an email list a facebook group right like a following on your facebook page on linkedin on instagram like wherever your people are that's where you need to be and ultimately you need to be cultivating that audience before you even launch a product now if you're about to launch a product and you're like i don't have that audience don't freak out just know that it's going to be really really important for you to hone in on where your people are spending time now you can figure this out um, in a couple of ways i mean if you are totally un uncertain of where your people are spending time there's a lot of um i'm thinking specifically of pew research center has like social media demographics um, so for each social channel, like who are the types of people who are using it? I mean, you can do some pretty good guesswork there, um, just even in your research. Um, but also look like where are you connecting with the right people? Like where are you having those conversations? So if it's on Facebook, then Facebook is going to be where you recruit people for the focus group. Um, now you can recruit them through um, just a simple post right like you could recruit them by reaching out individually to people who you think would be a good fit and who you want to speak to um you could do a mix of both right where you are doing some proactive recruiting and reaching out to people but then where you're also putting up a post the point is is that you need to go where they are it's not about being in multiple places right now now, when you said that um, it's going to be so much easier if you have an audience already, that probably struck a chord with a lot of our listeners who feel that pain of currently having no one in their audience or very yeah. few people in their audience. Um, and so I would just add to that to say it's not so much the number of people that you have. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's more so who the people are. So you could have a tiny audience, but they're hyper qualified people. Um, and that's, a, a, that's honestly more powerful than if you had a gigantic audience that's not qualified. I'm so glad you said that and clarified that because, and I actually have a podcast episode that I did on my podcast about why size does not matter. Um, so you're absolutely right. Like when I say audience, I mean people who are connected to you who could be a good fit for what you're selling, okay? you i mean listen at the end of the day if you have 50 solid people who are a perfect fit 
versus a thousand people who are eh, kind of a fit. The 50 is going to be better for you in terms of conversions and sales any day. So mm -hmm. yeah, I 100%, I don't want anyone here to be stressing about the size of their audience. The point is, is that you also don't want to be speaking into a void, right? You do want to be connected to some people who could be a good fit and start building those relationships before you actually sell. Um, the focus group is one way to do that. So yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about what the focus group actually sure. looks like. Yeah. How many people should you have in that? I always tell people to aim for at least having five people in a focus group. Now, there are two ways that you can do a focus group, right? You can do an actual focus group where you have, you know, five people that you're talking to at once, right? The group of you is on maybe a video call or something like that. I like to do video calls because you can actually see the person's face and, you know, have a little bit more of a natural um, engagement with them. The other um, alternative, right? The other option is for you to talk to those five people individually, one-on-one. -on -one. It really depends on a couple of things. One, your personal style. And two, like how much time you want to devote, right? Because if you're doing those individual conversations, you may get a little more because sometimes people are, you know, depending on personality, they're hesitant to speak up in a group, right? You might have to do a little more like <laughs> drawing people out and asking them specifically. Whereas if you're talking with them one-on-one, -on -one, um, you typically get a little bit more, but it takes more of your time. So I think it's just, there's no right or wrong here. Okay. Like there's no cookie cutter way to do this. Um, you have to decide what makes the most sense for you, but I always recommend talking to at least five people. Now that means that you're going to have to invite and recruit at least 10 people because not everyone's going to show up. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Like, unfortunately, it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't mean anything about you. It's just the way it is. Um, so the reason I recommend five at a minimum is because any less than five, and it tends to be, how do I put this? The results tend to be a little skewed because you're talking to fewer people um, and it's harder to identify what I'll call like common ground, right? Like common themes of what people are saying in terms of the feedback that they're giving, if that makes sense. Yeah, actually, it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because I was a little bit surprised when you said the number five, because to me, that does feel a little bit small. And so do you think that it's better to have five or was, is that just the bare minimum? That's the bare minimum. Um, okay. If you can get to 10 or 15, awesome. Now, here's the thing, though. The method through which we're doing this is more personal than if you were to send out a survey. If we were talking about sending out a survey where you're just getting like responses from people, which I don't recommend in this case, if you're trying to pre-sell a product, um, then I would say you need more because you don't have as much context for what they're saying. Um, but if you can get to talk to a minimum of five people, you're actually having conversations with these people. Um, and, you know, we can, I, I don't want to jump right to the next thing, but I will say like during this focus group, you want to be what, whatever you're selling, right? You've got to have a sales page. You've got to have something that explains this product. That is what I use in the focus group to share the product with people, to actually walk them through the sales page in real time and get their feedback. And because you're doing that, because you're getting that kind of context from people, that's why five, even though it sounds really small, is usually a, a, a decent number. If you can get more, great. But I find that some people get super, super stressed, especially if they're not connected to a lot of people. And so that's why I'm like, okay, <laughs> just go with five at your minimum. Get five people to look at that sales page and give you feedback. And I guarantee you will see common themes among what they say. Um, you will have some aha moments where you're like, huh. The way that I'm positioning this might not be the way that my audience needs to hear about it. 
So it, if we were talking about like a different method of collecting stuff where it's, you know, a little more passive and hands off, five would be too low. Now, how do you plan a focus group session? Like what are the questions that we should be asking? Um, so typically when I put out the post that recruits people, I'm very specific about who is a good fit. So that's where you need to get crystal clear on who is a good fit. Like who do you want to talk to about this product? Ultimately, who is the, the type of person that's gonna buy it? Um, and actually call that person out in the post. So theoretically, the people that are responding and raising their hand or the people that you're going to should already, like you should already know that they're a good fit. Now, in terms of um, setting up the focus group, if it's a focus group where you're not having individual conversations and you're talking with people in a group setting, um, you can set that up fairly easily. I mean, I'll, I'll use an example from my own business. I have Acuity, the calendar um, mm -hmm. appointment setting, Acuity, and you can actually set up classes, like group classes through Acuity. So I'll pick like two different dates and times. You do need to give people, you know. Some, something to choose from, because typically if you pick one day or time, it may be tough for everybody to attend. But I'll pick two different dates and times and let people sign up for those. Um, I won't necessarily ask them a lot of questions until we get to the focus group, um, because again, I should have already vetted that they are a good fit for this product, just through the post alone in terms of how I'm describing the ideal person. And during the actual session itself, whether it's the group yes. session or yep. a one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. um, give us some examples of, of questions that you might be asking. Obviously, knowing that sure. this is specific to different products. Sure. And I actually have a list here that I'm going to pull up while I'm talking, um, just to make sure I'm covering all of them. So because this is for a specific product and you're taking people through um, the sales page, the first thing I like to do is... I will stop at certain points. So I'm not taking them through the entire sales page and then like, okay, like what, <laughs> that doesn't work. I've tried that and people are like overwhelmed, right? I take, I break it down by section. And so at the end of each section, I will say, um, you know, how, like, give me your feedback on the messaging, right? Like, like, is this speaking to you? Um, if, if yes, what specifically is speaking to you? If no, what is missing that you need to hear? So I will often focus on the messaging. I will also ask them um, about the visuals. Like, is this visually appealing, right? Because it's not just about copy. It's also about visuals. Um, you know, is this, it, like, 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 does this flow? Can you make sense of, you know, what I'm saying here and how I've presented it? Um, because sometimes people might say like, yeah, the copy is great, but the visual, like everything's kind of busy and I'm, I'm struggling to like, you know, you got like a photo over here and, and a design over here, like it doesn't flow for them just from a design perspective. So mm -hmm. I will make sure that I ask that as well. So again, stop at each section and make notes for yourself ahead of time when you're going to be stopping. Um, so I will ask for their thoughts kind of section by section. Would it draw you in? Why or why not? Do the messages resonate with you? Are the images compelling? Um, and then a couple of other things that I will ask and you can ask these at certain points during certain sections or just in general. What are your thoughts on the way that this is structured, right? Like however you've structured the product. Um, and again, like this can look different for everybody depending on what you're selling, but what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on pricing? I will ask people specifically about pricing. 
Um, I've had people in the focus group say, I think it's priced too low. And guess what? That's a great problem, right? right. <laughs> um, but, you know, on the other hand, if you have a lot of people who are like, I don't know, it's priced really high for the value that I'm getting, that tells you that either you need to adjust the price or you need to go back and look at the, the way you're communicating about the product, right? Because people will pay for what they see value in. Um, I will say what's missing that you would like to see, which you always, I always get interesting responses to that. Um, what do you like most about this product, right? That helps with future marketing, by the way, because mm -hmm. when you get a sense of what people are saying they like most, that tells you that when you do launch this thing to the world, like those are the things that you should be talking about, right? You've already got those insights. And then I will also say, and this is again, kind of just a, a to the point, you know, straight up question for them, but would you buy this product? Why or why not? And don't just let them give you a yes or no answer. You need to say why or why not and get to the root, the root and the heart of why they wouldn't buy it. Now, I recognize that that might be an uncomfortable conversation for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, am I going to hear people say they don't want to buy it? Typically, no. Like typically what I hear is, yes, I like where you're going with it, but I feel like there's a couple of things that I would need to see in order to buy it. So don't stress about asking this question. People are not going to be mean to you. They're not going to like, you know, tell you that your, your product sucks, right? right? Um, but it's an important question to ask because, and, and I will say to my focus group, like, guys, be honest, you won't hurt my feelings. This is the kind of stuff that I need to know. I have never really had an issue where someone has said, you have to throw the whole thing out. I would never buy it. It's really just making tweaks, but you've got to get that intel because think of it this way. Would you rather know ahead of time about any potential potential issues that might cause people not to buy? Or would you rather put the time and the effort and money that it takes to launch this thing only to realize yeah. like, hey, there's something missing that I could have put in there that would have driven sales. Does that make sense? Yeah. Better to know yeah. now than later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think people shy away from asking those questions because they don't want to know, but you really do want to know. Um, and the stuff that they tell you during this focus group, honestly, that that is the difference between an extra, like, I mean, thousands of extra dollars that you could make during your launch. So it's not just about pre-selling, like we'll talk about that I know too, about how you actually do pre-sell this to your focus group, but know that like the insights that you're getting are also going to help you sell this thing and, and, and have a way more successful launch than if you just went into the launch without actually talking to people. I love it. Do you ever ask people how they're feeling after they read a certain section? Sometimes. I think that's a good question. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I always ask that, but, um, cause sometimes when I ask like, how, like, do the messages resonate with you? Like, what are your thoughts when you read it? They will tell me their feelings, but I think mm -hmm. that's a great question to call out specifically because you should also know when you're putting together your sales page, how you want people to be feeling right. 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 When they're about to buy or when they're thinking when, when they're in the buyer's process. So. Yeah, because I was just thinking, you know, when you're looking at a sales page, typically the top of the sales page is going to be focused yep. on that pain point and really yep. shining a light on the, yep. the issues that they might be experiencing, yep. the challenges, kind of like yep. the darkness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you so. like tell them why they need your product so badly, life right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will often say to them, like, does this describe your current pain point? Does this describe your current situation? Um, and they will tell me like, yeah, it does, but this is one area that I'm actually struggling with. So your messages are gonna be so much stronger because you've taken the time to ask that. Um, 
So yeah, I don't want to like sit around and rub their noses in it, but it's important to get that part right. Because if you don't adequately or accurately describe what their pain points are, like the rest kind of doesn't work as well as it should. That's really interesting. And it sounds like all these questions will give you that really powerful feedback that can be influential in everything that you do for this upcoming launch and in all of your future launches for this product. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that, I mean, if you've got this digital product, you're going to be relaunching it and reselling it over and over again, right? So I'm not suggesting that you have to do a focus group every time. If you make significant changes, I would go back and do another focus group, even if you've done one for the product before. But one focus group can literally drive like all future launches. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. It's just incredible. As you can tell, I love research. <laughs> not fun, like it's not like the fun, exciting, sexy thing that people like want to talk about, but when we're talking about like getting the most, like the, the biggest bang for your buck and having the biggest launch, like this is how you do it. I mean, if you're going to go through the hassle of launching, yes. you might as well just have the information. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, yeah. Launching is not easy. There is it is a not lot, for the faint of heart. <laughs> absolutely not. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And so yeah. if you're going to do it anyway, you might as well just do a little bit of homework beforehand to make sure that you're setting yourself up for the most success. It'll make your life so much easier and your launch much more fun, which is It important. really, really will. So yeah. before we transition into talking about like pre-selling your product yes. um, through focus groups, I have to ask, because I know you mentioned this is an interesting topic before we even started recording. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about like the mindset mentality, um, your personal perspective as the leader going into focus groups. Yeah. So what you just said is super key. You have to go in owning your, your value as an expert, right? You have to go in being the leader. Um, yes, you are asking your audience, um, or your focus group for feedback, but you need to go in like driving the bus, right. And, and, and guiding the conversation. You know, if you're in the, if, if you're doing a focus group and not necessarily one-on-one -on -one conversations, there may be times where you have, um, someone who's maybe kind of running the conversation and you need to take back control and get what you need out of it. I also recommend a lot of people don't do this. And I think that's why focus groups, like they might say, well, I didn't get anything from it. You need to go into this focus group being aware of where the gaps are. So where do you feel like there are gaps in terms of your knowledge about your, like the sales page, like questions that you might have, how your product like is positioned, right? Like there are probably certain questions that you have in your mind where you're like, I'm not so sure. Know what those are ahead of time. Like be really clear, like where am I maybe not feeling as confident about this launch or about this product and how I've created it or how I've created the sales page that should be where you drive the conversation in the focus group. Like I've given you guys a lot of questions, right? That you can ask, but I also want to challenge you to really truly, again, own your, your expertise and know where you need help and be willing to get it. Even if it means like taking back control of the conversation or cutting someone off so that you can like continue or, you know, there's a lot of things that I think people are afraid to do because they, they sort of take a passive role and like a backseat role when they're in the midst of a focus group. And that's, it brings up an interesting point as you're talking, I'm also thinking about, um, you know, you don't want as the leader of the focus group to sway your, your people, whatever yep. we're calling them one way yep. or the other. And yep. I'm thinking about pricing as a particular example. 
I feel like a nervous product seller would get to the pricing section yep. and be like, you know, like, I know it's a little bit expensive, you know, and do I not say like- anything. Yeah. No disclaimers. <laughs> yeah. Like literally say, what are your thoughts on pricing? Yeah. Boom, yeah. Done. Because you know what? Like I've, I've done a focus group for, I, I'm thinking of one of my very first focus groups I did for a program that I actually thought the program was a little overpriced and everyone told me it was underpriced. Interesting. Could you imagine if I had come in and said like, yeah. well, I know that I might've skewed that. And I remember being like, oh, like they were like, you could charge more for it. I was like, well, I could, couldn't I? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I definitely could add that extra zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that's really important. Well, I, I bring it up because I know, you know, I teach a lot of people in their launch strategy, how to host webinars and things like that. And it's always like that awkward point when they start talking about pricing <laughs> and their webinar strategy. And I'm like, stop apologizing for pricing because now you're telling the people who are listening to your webinar that you don't feel like the pricing is justified. And that that sends a message that is dangerous for, (laughs) for your sales prospects, for sure. Yeah. You know, what's one of the most helpful exercises that your listeners can do before they, they do a focus group. And this is going to be like a journaling mindset exercise. Okay. I, anybody listening, if you are about to do a focus group, I, and come back to this way you are, if you need to re-listen, I want you to literally take out a sheet of paper. This doesn't have to be anything fancy and make a list and don't, don't censor yourself. Don't like stop halfway through, like just write. Okay. But make a list of all of the reasons why this product has the power to change someone's life. We're not even just talking about business here. If you're someone selling a digital product to other business owners, yeah, it can change their business, but I'm talking their life here. Like what is the transformation? Why does someone need this product? Literally journal on all of that. And it's going to be really hard for you when you see that list to not embrace the value of what you offer. And I think that will help um, alleviate some of what you're talking about, Eden, with just people feeling like, oh my gosh, like no one's going to buy and like bringing that mentality to the focus group. Like no way. You've got to own the fact that you have something here that can change someone's life. And you need, I think most of the time we need to fully understand the value before we actually put this thing out there, whether it's through a focus group and or a launch, right? Um, so I think that could be a really helpful exercise that you can go back to, quite frankly, throughout your launch as well. Because we all know launches, like <laughs> at certain points throughout your launch, you're going to be like, everything sticks, nobody's going to buy, <laughs> right? Like sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you're like questioning everything in life. Um, so I think that would be a really powerful exercise as well. You know what? That does sound like a really good recommendation because I always say, if you don't believe in your product, you can't expect your buyers or potential buyers to believe in your product. It's so, so true. You know, it's everything so true. that you say, the, you know, everything that comes through, especially like in a focus group here, you're going to sway people one way or the other, and you want them to be buying the product that's going to solve their problem. Yep. And, and just from a logistical perspective, like no leading questions, right? So, um, you know, like do the messages resonate with you, right? It's not like we're asking them, does the message make you feel happy or that like you're not, don't do not try to avoid whatever possible. And listen, if you throw in a leading question or two by accident, like don't stress. Okay. Um, but try as much as possible not to ask questions that are going to lead the person down the path that you want. Okay. Because then you're not going to get, um, unbiased data. Which make make you feel good if you get biased data, but it's not helpful. It's not going to help you. No, no. You really truly do. And that's, again, why I say to them, like, I'll I'll set the tone at the beginning, right? This is where you can set expectations um, and you should set expectations at the beginning of the focus group. I will say, 
I want you guys to be honest with me. Like I'm here here because I want you to be honest. Like you being honest is going to help me have a better launch. Let's talk about what comes after the focus group. How yep. do you actually get those pre-sales from your focus group members? Yeah. So um, before you do the focus group, you want to come up with um, what I'll call like a special deal for the people who are in your focus group. So first and foremost, um, in exchange for someone, and, and by the way, a typical focus group is usually like 45 minutes to an hour. Okay solely because you are taking them through a sales page. Um, so I make that clear ahead of time for people that they're going to be investing that time. Now, because they're investing that time, like, and they're giving me that, that, that value and that insight, I always give people something in return for free. Right. So, I mean, I have done like strategy sessions with me. I mean, depending on what business you have, like you might even give them a Starbucks gift card, like you know, this doesn't have to be anything that you overthink here. Right. right. But you should always go in knowing and, and telling people like in exchange, you're going to get this right. That has nothing to do with your digital product. Okay. So you should give them something regardless of whether they buy your product or not, you should still give them something in exchange for them giving you their time. Cause they did give you their time. Right now. I've seen people go too far on that end where they're like, well, I don't want to talk about my product because I asked them for feedback. These people that have raised their hand and said that they're struggling with this problem, like they've already vetted themselves, right? They are the right fit for you. So you should be making an offer. You should be offering your product to them. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can do this, but one of the best ways that I found, and some of this is going to depend on like your price point. So if you have a lower priced product, like let's say just for the sake of this example, a hundred bucks or less, right? Um, you might want to consider instead of lowering the price or giving them a special discount, like you might want to consider adding in a special bonus or something based on what they've shared during the focus group, right? Cause they've given you a lot of detail. Um, you know, if you have something that's a little higher price, that's like a couple hundred dollars, maybe you then say, okay, I'm going to give them a special focus group price, right? Like they're going to get a special discount because they were part of my focus group. You need to go in already knowing what that is. Now, I don't talk about that on the focus group. So I truly use the focus group as an opportunity to get value and feedback and insight from my people. I've seen people do focus groups where like the first half they're getting the feedback, but then the second half is just them talking about the product. And that can actually turn some people off. What I will do is I will let them know that I am um, going to be sending them a follow-up email, thanking them for their time, with some special info, info for them. So I will kind of allude to or, or tease the fact that there's going to be something special for them coming, right? Um, because I offer strategy calls as like the freebie, right, for my focus group people, I will just offer them the opportunity to get on the call to book their free call. And then I will talk with them about what I'm, what I'm pitching, right? Like then I'll talk with them about my offer. Um, if you're not, you know, somebody who's in a position where to, to do that, then simply just let them know at the end of the focus group, like thank them for their time and let them know, I'm going to be sending you an email with, um, you know, some more details about like your bonus or whatever it is that they're receiving and a special offer for you. Let them know that you don't have to go into detail. This isn't a sales pitch, right? Like they just spent 45 minutes giving you feedback. So in the follow-up email, that's when. I will let them know, 
you know, to thank you for your time. I'm giving you X, Y, and Z. And then I also want to give you an opportunity to get into this, you know, to, to purchase this product, to take advantage of this amazing opportunity. Um, because you did the focus group, I'm offering you a special price of X, Y, and Z, like give them the details. Um, and just let them know in the, in the follow-up email, you will also want to do some follow-up with them where you, maybe you reach out personally, thanking them and asking them if they're interested, right? The point is, is that you want to truly spend the focus group time getting feedback. And then afterward, that's when you're pre-selling. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. In your experience, do you find that that works well, that there's a decent conversion rate? Yeah. You know, I have had, um, and I'm trying to think of the different programs that have drawn people in. I mean, I've had a 50% conversion rate before, um, depending of course on the number of people, right. That you get in, I've had, um, even just, I mean, let's do the math here, right? Like even just, let's say you have five people, like one out of five people purchases. I mean, that's like a, that's yeah, 20%. Yeah. Much higher than industry. Much standard. higher. Exactly. Um, I have gotten, and it's funny, like I, um, converted someone from a focus group who then ended up purchasing more from me. So you also want to think about the lifetime value, right? Like if you're selling multiple products, um, or you have other ways of people working with you, like after they purchase the digital product, the lifetime value of a, of a customer or client is pretty high. So you want to think about, of course, like in this launch, what it means, but what it can also mean if that person has a great experience with your product, which I'm sure they will, right? Because you've created an amazing product. Um, if they have a great experience, like what does that mean in terms of what else they will purchase from you? So um, I think that's an important thing to think about. But yeah, it's, an, it's a much higher conversion rate than the standard like one to 3% marketing conversion rate that you hear people talk about during a launch. Yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, once you... They always say like if you shake the hands of a presidential candidate, you're more likely to um, vote for that person. And mm -hmm. I think that's true in marketing as yeah. well. You know, if you have this conversation with somebody, even if it's just you giving feedback about their product and their sales page, you now have a connection with them and you're more likely to trust them enough to mm -hmm. actually buy the product later on. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And those people could end up becoming your ambassadors. Like, mm -hmm. For future launches. So yeah, I, again, you want to, you know, I find another thing I think I want to say that's important from the mindset perspective is that when people try to like pitch the product and like talk about it on the focus group, they always come across as forced and feeling kind of awkward. And so that's why the follow-up is so important and just truly reserving the call for the focus group. And then at the end, kind of teasing it, but not go, I find that that helps people too. It, it, it feels more authentic than trying to be like, Hey, I got you on the focus group. But now, cause also people don't want like to feel like, Oh my gosh, you got me on to talk about this focus group. And now you're pressuring yeah, me. Like it's not a good feeling. Quite frankly, if they are the right fit for the product, and they've given great feedback and they've seen like your level of commitment to making this something that's valuable for them. You don't need to do any convincing. You should never convince someone. Mm -hmm. Yep. I like that. But because they've gotten a behind the scenes look at your product, like they are much more likely to buy. Um, I had a client, what was her, I'm trying to remember what her conversion rate was. I think she got three people to purchase before her launch and she had 10 people. So that was a 30% conversion rate. That's so amazing. she went into launching with 
a third, like three people already buying. And so from that perspective, when you go into a launch already having even just one sale, think of what that does for your mindset and your confidence and how much that's going to impact your launch. I'm sure Eden that you have talked with people about like the, the, the energy, right. That they bring during a launch and like what needs to happen in order yeah. to sell. Like there's a certain level. It's not just about what you do. It's about how like you're thinking. Right. And so some of this is really just going to be super powerful in terms of showing you and, and helping validate the fact that people actually want what you're selling. This has been so amazing, Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing You're all welcome. this information. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you feel like is important to talk about before we close? So while we're talking about focus groups as an opportunity to pre-sell, and it's a huge opportunity, I just want to remind you that the ultimate goal here is to get that feedback and that those insights to be able to sell. If you are, are, or to be able to have a successful launch, if you are going in to like scheduling the focus groups with just thinking about, I want sales, I want sales, I want sales, the focus group is not going to work as well as it, as it could. So definitely make sure that your mindset and your perspective is right. Um, that you are thinking about the, the, the person first, right? The human being who's buying your digital product that you are truly thinking about how you can serve them and make this better for them because that's when the sales come. The sales follow that versus focusing just on sales and then trying to have <laughs> that, that positive experience. So I think sales that's an important are, thing too. Yeah. So yeah. sales are the cherry on top of a good focus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And if you, I mean, if you, if you follow all those steps and you're truly in it to serve them, they're, they're going to buy, right. they're going to buy. Yep. Yeah. Tell us where we can find you, stalk you, hang out with you online. Um, I'm in my Facebook group, Market Like a Boss. Um, so that is the best place to come find me. That's where I talk about marketing, all things marketing, um, you know, how to build relationships and grow your audience and sell your stuff um, without feeling like salesy or spammy. So I would love, love, love um, if you are listening and you want to hang out more, I'd love for you to come stop by the group. Absolutely. And we'll drop that link in the show notes. Thanks again for being here, Michelle. Thank you so much, Eden, for having me. Next time on Rebel Boss, ladies, we're answering your burning question. Do you actually need an active blog to sell digital products? Find out next week. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you loved this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and share on social media. I'm your host, Eden Freed. And remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time.